Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm also a certified health coach. I help ambitious leaders stop binge eating and create easy, empowering relationships with food and themselves. I love what I do. I love this community. I'm so grateful for you and I value you in this space more than you realize. I just want to let you know that before we dive into this conversation today. So thank you so much for hitting play and just being here. Okay. We have Erin Claire Jones on the show today. I, I can't wait to share this conversation with you. This was so amazing sitting down with Erin after years of following her work and learning more about human design myself. If you're anything like me, I love just learning about what makes humans humans. I love personality tests and personal development and self-discovery and all of the things. And so finding human design and learning more about it was really amazing um, and has been really amazing and fostering that part of my self-discovery process and also kind of implementing it in the work that I do behind the scenes. And Erin has been a huge part of that. She is at the top of this industry and truly an expert in this field. If anybody says human design, I automatically think of Erin Claire Jones. So that's really cool that she is here with us today. I learned so much from this conversation and I just appreciate all of the truth and the wisdom that she brought into this space around her own journey with human design and her discovery around that, but her relationship with herself. One thing that I took away from this conversation the most that has been a reoccurring theme in all of these stories that is just so cool to see in this one is how profound our environment is in shaping the people that we are and are becoming. And Erin really leads by example with this. And her story is such a great example of how she has intentionally chosen to surround herself in environments to foster her success. So beyond human design, that is one of my favorite parts of just this overall conversation that I really took took away and want to offer to you too as you're listening. But more than anything, I just am gra- I'm glad that you're here. There are so many things that I I think are going to be available and resonant for you today. Let me read Aaron's bio for you before we dive in because it really explains a lot about what human design is if you're not familiar and then we'll get into the conversation. So Erin Claire Jones uses human design to help thousands of individuals and companies step into their work and their lives as their truest selves and to their highest potential. 
Her work as a guide, coach, and speaker has attracted a growing community of over 150,000 people who turn to her teachings for practical tools, digestible tips, and deeper self-knowledge they can access to live with greater ease and authenticity every single day. With work featured in Forbes, Mind Body Green, Well and Good, and Nylon, words shared over 150 podcasts, such as Almost 30, That's So Retrograde, Highest Self, and Chatty Broads, as well as conversations with crowds of hundreds around the world, Erin's insights are highly sought after because they make human design pragmatic, tangible, accessible, and immediately accessible to everyday life. Human design is a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science that sheds light on a person's energetic makeup, as well as specific tools they can use to live at their happiest, healthiest, and highest potential. It doesn't change who they are. It teaches them who they are. It offers insight into what's possible and highlights the significance of understanding and living as the fullest expression of themselves. By putting this tool to work in her own life, Erin is showing the world a new way of work, a new path towards success, and a new perspective on living as you truly are. All things that we are deeply about in this community. So this this teaching, this conversation is so relevant and I am really, really grateful that Erin decided to come join us and just share her wisdom with us. We talk about Erin's personal body image story, um, her interests and personal journey with entrepreneurship, how she discovered human design and began her career. We also get into all of the five different human design types and action steps for each, as well as practical tools for soul care and wellness based on your type. Very relevant to this community as well too. So before we go any further, if you are not familiar with your personal human design type and you want to know what it is before this conversation, hit pause. We've linked it in the show notes. It's totally free. It takes two minutes. You need just some basic information um, to learn what you are. I think you need your your birthday, the city that you're born in, the time that you were born and a couple of other things, and that will bring it up right away. Um, and that'll be helpful for just learning more about the types in our conversation. You can also do that later or not at all, whatever you want to choose to do. I just want to let you know that it is linked in the show notes as well as all of Aaron's information. Um, we do have a code that is custom for our community. If you would like to grab a blueprint from Erin, which dives deeper into learning more about your type, and you can use the code LOVECAITLIN to get 10% off. 10% off. We have also linked that in the show notes too. That's it for today. Before we go into the conversation, Definitely keep your eyes out for some fun graphics on my Instagram page this week. Um, 
around the types and this conversation that will be relevant to you once you learn your type. So if we're not friends on Instagram, uh, this is a great opportunity to become friends or just snoop my page when it comes out in a few days and grab the graphic that is appropriate for you. All right, my love, without further ado, here is the incredible Erin Claire Jones. Erin Claire Jones, hi, welcome to the show. I am so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Highly anticipated. As I was saying, I <laughs> just loved your work for a long time now. So it was really cool just um, getting this booked and being able to connect with you. So let's dive in. We've got so much to talk about. And the first question that we ask everybody on the show is your first body awareness moment. So that moment where you realized I'm in a body apparently this means something in the world that I'm living in. What did that moment look like for you? And also how did that shape your relationship with your body and or food moving forward? What's your story? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that comes up and I was obviously aware that I was in a body before that, but in high school, I like, I went through puberty pretty late. And I also had like a massive growth spurt. So I was five, one, I think my freshman year, I was used to always being the shortest person in the class, at least where I was in my classes. And then by senior year, I was five, eight. And so like, it just all happened very quickly, you know, in terms of just like getting boobs and getting my period and just like growing really fast. So I felt like I could start to sense that the way that people around me were receiving me was really changing. Um, but it was just like happening more quickly than I really had time to like land in. And so I think it was like during that period that I really was just like so aware of how just people would interact with me based on my body and, and who I was. And as I especially kind of like matured. Um, but I think it took me a lot longer than that to kind of really settle into and really connect to my own body. Mm, how what did you notice about that time? Like how were people responding to some of these changes and who was responding? Was it like your immediate friends or just kind of people in passing? What did you observe? Yeah, I think it was just like, if things took on like a more sexual nature, you know, I think things that were like, felt like friendships before I felt like people just started like assuming they're just like kind of approaching this like sexual or romantic dynamic in a way that wasn't present, you know, before. Mm. Um, and so I think it was mostly around just like romantic sexual dynamics and feeling like people were beginning to see me in a different way. And I was still kind of like adjusting and coming into that myself. Interesting. How did you feel just receiving this new type of attention? Do you remember? Um, I think that I just like, I wouldn't say I felt confused. I just feel like I was noticing it. And I think it just like happened. Like, I think the physical changes were faster than like the emotional ones or like the energetic ones. And so I think I was like noticing and being like, what is happening? Like, I'm clearly shifting, like, how can I really kind of like land in my body and land in where I am and really kind of get comfortable in it? Um, so I think that it was more just like noticing it and it, it wasn't, it was more just like a curiosity and like really noticing that I might need to have more boundaries um, and also be a bit more proactive and kind of connecting to my body and myself and kind of really having a more rooted relationship there. Okay. I love this. And also it's incredibly self-aware and this is happening in high school. So one of the things that I appreciate 
appreciate about you and your work so much is your level of self-awareness. Were you this aware back in high school and what if so what was like fostering that or how did you begin cultivating this type of self-awareness for yourself and just beginning to do some of this embodiment work that you're talking about yeah I don't know if I was that self-aware then you know I think that like it, it did feel like more of a curiosity and I was just like something's going on I also like I got my period when I was 16, you know? And so I think I also was like witnessing a lot of my friends go through things much earlier and be like a lot bigger than me and just like grown. And so like, I think that I actually really like, so I think that I was like really noticing that other people were quite ahead of me on that journey. Um, Yeah, but I think that like, I don't think I really started playing with embodiment practices then. I think it was a little bit more, you know, I, I went to college and, um, and one of the big kind of investments of my energy there was a workshop, like it was called Fem Sex. It was like a female sexuality workshop around kind of cultivating intentional relationships to our sexuality and all kinds of things, you know, and I both participated and then facilitated. And so I think that was actually a really beautiful place for me to just kind of start to explore this stuff and like, and really kind of get all the options and what I wanted things to feel like and look like. But I honestly, I think about like embodiment practices, like I think it was still a little bit heady. Like, I think it was probably like not even until after college that I think that there was a bit more of an intentional relationship with kind of just like dropping into my body and really kind of connecting in a less mental and more grounded way. Mm. What did you study in college? I studied international development and education. Um, and I wrote my thesis on impact-driven entrepreneurship. So basically businesses that were integrating social impact into what they did. Wow. Was this something that you always wanted to go into before college or was it oh God, shaped? No. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get here? Cause that's a yeah. pretty specific major and I'd like to write a thesis on that too. I have like so many questions right now. I know. Oh my God. I know. I mean, I feel like I just like, I, there's a lot of fear that's come up in my life. And I also look back and there's also just like a lot of trust, you know, I think that I, I haven't put really a lot of pressure on myself to like know where it's all going. Um, I think when I entered into college, I studied education and I was doing a lot of teaching um, and it was amazing, but it was also exhausting. Like I really so respect teachers, you know, it's like really it was something that I didn't really have the sustainable energy for. Um, and I think that I had, yeah, I was just like curious about like international development and, and basically just like all the courses I was taking were kind of just like falling into that. Um, and I think that I just got really curious about entrepreneurship and there was like a beautiful, I went to Brown and there was like a beautiful kind of impact driven social entrepreneurship um, arm there. And it was just really fun. Like my thesis it literally involved like talking to 90 entrepreneurs about like how they really like built social impact into their business um and oh and God. what that looked like and so it That's was so amazing. fun it was, that sounds so fun. it was amazing it was, I mean I just love talking to people you know and I think that like it was just a really cool exploration of how that could integrate you know like I think that you know that was a while ago now but like whether it was like you know reinvesting profits or whether the impact was like built into the company so it was really fun and then that kind of led me to go straight into entrepreneurship or straight into working at startups after school. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was again, I, my whole, I just love talking to people. So it was like a really beautiful avenue of that. And I think that I got really curious about business and like mm. how businesses could be a force for good and have social impact as well. I love that. So I want to come back to you and your relationship with yourself during this time, because it sounds like a really pivotal time and it is for most people, you know, early twenties, it's mm-hmm. highly formative. So what, mm-hmm. how would you describe your relationship with yourself, your mental health, your body, your relationship with food. If you were writing a chapter in a book about this time in your life, what would it be titled and how would you describe it? Yeah, I think that it was like a lot of exploration. Um, I think that like, you know, I, so much of my college experience was very much specifically around like relationships and all kinds of things. It was very much around like just getting a sense of all the options. Like, I think that I grew up and I was like, this is what it's supposed to look like, like monogamy, all these things. And I think that in my kind of early twenties, I was like, oh, there are a lot of options that I can choose from, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think when I think about my early twenties, it was just a time of like, massive exploration, you know, in romantic relationships with my body, all the things, you know, I think that like, I've tried so many different ways of eating. I think at that time it was probably just like, um, I think it was probably just like gluten and dairy free and just having like some restrictions, but still really enjoying it. I think that I was like probably overworking out at that time. Like I was really like into hot yoga in a very intense way. Um, but I think that like, when I think of that time in my life, it felt very much around exploration. And I started, there's a beautiful dance practice called Five Rhythms and there's a beautiful center in New York city where I was living. Um, and I loved that. So that really felt like such an important kind of embodiment practice of really getting into my body through dance. And that's definitely been one of the most powerful tools for that. But I do think that it was a lot of gathering experiences ultimately to discover what didn't work for me. (laughs) Um, but I think that it was more a time of gathering than anything else. I love that. I'm, I'm so curious. Did you grow up with this? Like, is this, is this fundamental to your family environment or did you have a like spiritual community when you were growing up before college or anything, or was this completely new for you going into the college years? Just this, I don't know, like kind of woke exploration that you're kind of describing. Yeah, it was definitely not, you know, not where I came from. I think that like, I was such a weird kid, you know, and I was like really blessed to have parents that like, didn't question my weirdness. Like I remember I was, um, I've shared this on a podcast before, but I remember like in, I grew up in Seattle, I was like seeking out like the Shambhala centers, you know, in Seattle, my parents were like, what are you doing? And I was like sitting in these meditations. And then I was so lucky, like my second year of college, I like I went on a meditation retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, literally his last U.S. retreat. I didn't even know who he was. I was like, I must go on this retreat. And so um, like, I just, yes, I think that I, felt, I know, so I'm, I thank God I did. I That's think amazing. so. Like I always had that draw. I don't, I'm sure that I, there was conditioning that really supported me in that, but it wasn't direct to my family. And I think food specific, like I stopped eating red meat in high school because I think that like my parents didn't eat red meat. And I think that it felt like there were a lot of, um, for me at the time, I was really like, this is not like a really smart industry. Um, and so, and environmentally, and so I stopped them, but yeah, I think that like, I was always open to different stuff, you know, and I honestly, I can't tell you where it came from. I think it was just like a desire to really feel good in my body and my mind and my energy and just like do everything I could to kind of be my most elevated and just connected self. 
Cool. Yeah. I'm always curious because obviously everyone has a different story and a different path. And one of the themes that I've just really recognized from talking to so many people is how, um, how much our environment shapes the people that we become and our interests and our hobbies and hundred percent. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And it sounds like even though it wasn't directly related to your parents' interests, there was the space to cultivate that curiosity yeah. and creativity. So that's pretty cool. Tell us about after college and just coming into your entrepreneur or not entrepreneurship at that time you were working with startups. So what was this part of your life like? And did you move? Did you, did you stay close to Brown? What, what was the chapter like? I moved to New York city straight after Brown. I had just spent, I had taken the semester off and I spent six months in Brazil in a place called Sao Paulo, which was amazing. I'd been studying Portuguese. And so I made it to New York and I lived in Brooklyn with two of my college roommates. And it was amazing. Like I very early in my New York journey fell into like a community of entrepreneurs in New York city. And most of them were at least a decade older than me. I was like so embarrassed at my age. But I think that it was like really an expansive and I'm still, they're still my community here. And I just think it was really like, I think back on my journey and like how expansive it was for me to be around people so early on that were just like doing really like, I wouldn't even want to say ambitious, more just like had big dreams and we're just making them happen. Like, I just think I saw entrepreneurship as a possibility because of the conditioning, you know, the energy I was surrounded by. And so I think like, yeah, that time in my life, I was just like, exploring, you know, I was really, I was going to Burning Man. I was just like really having a very social time in New York. I was making lots of new friends. I was exploring all kinds of new relationship models. I was working for lots of different companies. And like, I was just really, I don't even want to say like having fun. Like I was really just, again, it was like, and it's so funny because it's, you know, I know we'll get into human design, but in human design, this is like the phase of my life of just gathering, gathering, gathering. So like, I think that I really was like, experimenting in every aspect of my life and just like really putting myself out of my comfort comfort zone just to like see what worked. And honestly, most of the things that I tried were not for me, but I just wanted to try them. And so like, I think it was a time of just like a lot of exploration and just pushing myself to like totally new levels in every possible way. Mm. Well, you mentioned human design. And before we get into it, the question that just keeps coming up in my mind as I'm hearing your story is how many times have people commented that you're an old soul? <laughs> God, I feel like I'm getting it less now that I'm like older, you know, I'm in my early thirties, but when I was young all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I'm hearing that I act, it's, it's a comment that I get a lot as well too. And I have, since I was like a kid, like eight, six years old, you know, all yeah. through elementary and middle school. And it was always so weird and it made me feel so uncomfortable. So I'm curious what your experience with getting that kind of feedback was, I guess it's from one old soul to another. I can ask you. That. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I think it made me feel really good. And it was, but it was, I did have a lot of shame around my age. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like all my, like I said, like my community in New York initially, like they were all like at least a decade older than me, you know, and it was amazing. But I remember like a friend finding out, I was like, I think I was 24. He's like, Aaron, I like found out your biggest secret. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I didn't feel like I think back, you know, and like, I was just, I think that I felt, yeah, I felt like embarrassed that I was so young um, because it was, it was just like never what people assumed. 
And so, um, and now I feel like I'm like a little bit more in my age now, or it's like a little, I mean, people still actually assume that I'm much older than I am, but, um, but it feels good. I think that I've like, I've, I've loved that. And I also love not being embarrassed about my age, you know, and just like sharing that more freely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, age is a thing. It's both a thing and it's not, you know, it's like it. So I think that like, it's really, yeah. Yeah. It's, so I love I'll tell say that like I think that that feedback always felt good for sure. It's so interesting when we talk about body image stories and you know it's so personal, it's so unique and everyone has their own insecurity in some way and sometimes it often it's physical, you know, just in the world that we're living in, but so often it's not and so it's interesting to hear that perhaps yours was related to age as you're describing it and just kind of feeling that inferior inferiority you're perhaps like how would you describe it like what do you think the insecurity was related to yeah it's a good question I think that like there was like a little bit of a fear of being like taken less seriously because I was so young Interesting. um but like I wasn't and like and these are people that I was spending so much time with but like um, I think that like that felt like the thing. And also just because like, because I knew that it wasn't what people assumed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And it was like, but it was, it, it's weird. It's, it's hard to feel like shameful about a part of yourself, you know, a part of myself. So I think that like thinking back, it's like, oh, I hate that. Like, that's a thing that I hate, but like, I, I have compassion for the version of myself that felt embarrassed to share my age, yeah. you know? And so, um, and I love her, you know, and, and she's grown <laughs> big time, but, um, yeah, I think it was just like a little bit of like, will I not be taken seriously because I'm so young? Yeah, it makes sense. And I love that you mentioned compassion, that self-compassion yeah. process. Oh God, that's been, is, and has been so, um, it's been such a cornerstone in my own just self-discovery and healing journey. Like, like you're describing those really shameful moments when we kind of get into the weeds of things, just going back and understanding like, Oh God, like, it's okay. (laughs) You didn't know, like it was, you know, it's a belief and that can feel really tricky sometimes. So yeah. All right. Tell us about human design. Let's just like cut to the chase. Cause I do have a million questions that are just brimming to ask you. And I'm, I'm very curious how this even came onto your radar and how you got involved in this world. So, uh, tell us what it is first. That way everybody can have some context if they don't know what it is already. And then we'll get into your story around it. Of course. So human design is a system based on your time, date, and place of birth that reveals your energetic blueprint and how you're kind of uniquely wired to thrive. And so it's similar to a natal chart in that way. And then it is based on that information. I think what made me fall in love with human design is just how practical and grounded the information is. It offers us like so much juicy knowledge around how we're designed to best make decisions, build businesses, work within teams, cultivate relationships, like all the things. It just gives us like such tremendous potential, sorry, tremendous permission to just be ourselves. So how did you discover this? Do you remember the moment you heard about it? Um, I do. And it was very serendipitous. You know, I was 25 and um, was living in New York City at the time. And I was in my friend Allie's backyard in the Lower East Side. Um, 
And I had like invited a stranger there that I had met the night before because we were like really like compelled by each other not in a romantic way, but you know, when you meet somebody and you're like, we've got a thing to explore. Like there's like a thing that there's something here. And so he didn't even live in New York. So he came over and he sat next to me and he's like, I'd love to look up your human design. I'd love to do like a little mini reading for you. And this is like in the midst of a gathering. Um, and he did a little mini reading for me and I had never had somebody put my life experience into words so clearly. And I feel like that initial conversation was equal parts relieving and confronting relieving because I was like, Oh my God, am I really allowed to do that? You know, is that okay to be that way? And then confronting because I wasn't doing that. I wasn't living that way. And I was not giving myself permission. Um, and he ended the conversation by saying, I think that you should do this. And I think we should build a business together and human design is not predictive. It's not like he was like, I'm seeing where you'll be in five years, but I think he really, sense potential in my design, but also sense a lot of kind of compatibility. Um, and so I was very kind of directly initiated and invited into human design. And so I took a few months to feel into it, but then I flew to LA where he lived at the time and we started our first business together and our only business together. And he became my first teacher. Um, and that was, like I said, it was in 2015 and we built a business together for two years um, and it was wonderful and challenging at the same time because it was a little bit early for human design. People were so like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And so then I walked away from that in 2017 and started my own practice in 2018. And now my husband is my business partner. Oh my God. That's wild. I had no idea that, that you were business partners. Okay. So if you're comfortable sharing this, I'm interested in hearing what your reading was at that time? Like how were you living your life? Oh, yeah. And what was the actual uh, reading that he gave you that was out of alignment with how you were living? Do you remember? I do very much so. And there were so three pieces. Human design is endless. The well of information it offers us is just truly a rabbit hole. Um, but the most important pieces are your type, your strategy, and your authority, which is how you're designed to use your energy, how to create aligned opportunities and how to make decisions. And so for those familiar, and I'm sure we can put a link in the show notes uh, to look up your design, but you can look it up at humandesignblueprint.com. So basically he said, first, Aaron, you're a projector and you are much better suited to be a leader and a guide and a teacher and not a doer. Your energy is going to ebb and flow and your gift is not in how hard you work or how much you do. It's in how powerfully you see. And I think that I felt that so deeply because like, even like I told you about the entrepreneurship thesis, like my interest was always in people. Like whenever I worked for startups, like I was just so much more interested in like how the people could work better together than I was in like doing the biz dev or the marketing or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think where I was living out of alignment with it is I was trying so hard to be a doer. I was like in this really like hostile, intense New York culture and like loving it while also like not really feeling like it was for me, you know? And so I think that like, just to, be validated that like, there's actually like a gift in my sensitivity to people and my awareness of people. And that, like that in itself could be like a thing that I could build a career around was like totally stupefying to me. That was the first piece. Is that clear? Yeah. It's super clear. My, like what's coming to mind is what was your brain doing when you were receiving that information? Because if you're, I mean, I really get that as well too. I think so many people will because we're indoctrinated into a hustle culture that just kind of prides itself on doing to achieve and be worthy, which is complete bullshit. So when you 
when you learn this about yourself, that you actually could create a life and have success and, you know, just build a lifestyle that was less about doing, did that seem Mm -hmm. unattainable? Like, was your mind going a million different directions or was it super clear to you perhaps? And it felt like just easy. I don't know what came for you. I had no idea how it was going to happen. Like, and I think that I was not trying to figure it out because like, honestly, nothing magical in my life has happened because I figured it out, you know, like in terms of just being like, I'm going to really like, just like, really like know where this is going. I think that I was just like, oh, that feels really true. Like, I don't really know how that would manifest in business or in life. And I look back, what was that? The 31 now is six, seven years ago, six years ago. Um, and, um, And, you know, and like so much of my life right now is just how to create more and more space, you know, like, and how to build a business that really supports that. So like, it's been amazing to watch that manifest, but it hasn't really come from me, like forcing it. It's just been like, for me, aligning with my design. So one, no, I did not get how that could work, but two, I wasn't concerned with figuring it out. Like, I just like that knowing that it was a possibility kind of felt sufficient for the moment. Um, And the other piece, there are two other pieces that he shared that were really a little bit mind blowing. The second piece, and this is true for all projectors, is he said, you know, Aaron, like you are not really designed to initiate or chase after things. Like you're really here to be invited in and recognize and the right opportunities for you, the right jobs for you are the ones that you feel treasured, seen, like valued for your perspective and how you see. And like, you're not really here to just like force it. Um, and I think living in New York and living in the culture that I was living in, I was trying so hard to initiate. And like, and also even like friendship wise, like sometimes be seen by people that like, didn't want to see me, you know? And so I think to like, know that I was to be invited, like really one, I looked back on my whole career and that was very much how opportunities always emerge. That was literally how the human design thing emerged, but it was also like on a more social level, social level, kind of like really releasing the need to be understood by people and just showing up as myself and knowing that like, doing that would allow the right people to see me. And like my husband now, I knew him for, I don't know, four years before we started dating. We were like, I worked for him. We were friends, we were best friends, but like I had never felt more seen by a person than I did by him, like from day one, Mm. you know? And so like, I just think to know, yeah. So it was just, it was also, I was like, is that really allowed to be invited in and not chase after? So that felt really confronting. What were some what were some of the things that you struggled with the most just kind of acclimating to this new lifestyle? Because it it really, I mean, this is your work. This is what you live and breathe. It's a big part of you. And um, it, it sounds like almost a new belief system in, in a sense. And so did you struggle with anything at all when you were kind of trying to integrate all of this other than just what you're what you're mentioning, like some of the the thoughts that pop up and just like the the confronting things but was there anything that you particularly found yourself just kind of getting stuck in or bumping up against that felt uneasy I guess yeah I mean I think the whole thing felt like and also the, the last piece just quickly is that like he shared that I wasn't designed to be spontaneous and like I had been super spontaneous and very regretful and he was like you're meant to sleep on decisions, feel into things, take your time. I was not doing that at all. So in oh, terms of the getting to integrate, yeah, I was like, but I look back and I was like, I see why those things did not work. Um, 
I think that like human design offers us a lot of juicy, actionable information, but the point is never to integrate it all at once. And so I think that what I saw it more was as an experiment. You know what I mean? I was just like, okay, like this random weird system says this stuff about me. Like what happens if I just believe it? Like what happens if I just try it? Like what happens if I take more rest in my days and invest my people energy and the friends and the work opportunities where I feel so deeply seen. And I really kind of like sleep on my decisions and take my time. Like what happens? Why don't I just try it out? And it's been an amazing experiment and it continues to be, you know? And I think that like a piece that I don't know if you shared that night, but like a really revealing piece of our design is kind of like all the areas where we can get the most taken off track. And so I think that was actually so useful for me because I think when I became aware of where I could get taken off track, whenever those things popped up, I was like so much more quickly able to move out of them because I just saw it for exactly what it was. Mm. And same with my partnership at the time with that first business partner, like we would have moments of friction or conflict and like, look at our charts and we're like, uh -huh, I see, I see what's like bumping up, you know, like human design reveals so much of the energetics underneath the surface. So I think that like there was a rocky road and it was a bumpy road kind of getting into it. But I think that like, I really like kept looking back to my design and just trying and experimenting and like, and, and seeing what worked and what felt right. And I, I've learned so much now just through really like trying on different pieces of my design and like seeing how it's actually felt when I've just done it. I love that. And I also know that everybody's probably listening, thinking, okay, what are the other designs? You just mentioned you're a projector. And one of the things that I love so much about listening to you teach this is I feel like you have a different take every time you share this information. Um, so for our community, can you just guide us through each of the, what do you call it? How do you, how would you describe each? Is it type. a type? Okay. So can you guide us through each mm -hmm. type and just give an overview? Yes. So high level in human design, there are five different types and just know that this is just the first piece. It offers us so much important information and it's just the beginning. If you and your partner or you and your child are both a certain type, it doesn't mean y'all are the same. So just knowing that again, a lot of nuance lies underneath these. So um, first we'll start with manifesting generators and generators. And so these are kind of collectively the doers, the builders, the creators, the ones that have such tremendous energy to kind of build and create and make things happen. And the more kind of lit up and excited they are by who they're spending time with and what they're spending time on, like the more energy they have and the more they kind of uplift everyone around them. And so two big lessons for them is around prioritizing their own excitement and satisfaction every day in their work and in their life and seeing that not as a selfish choice, but actually as the thing that kind of allows them to have the most positive impact in the world world. And the second big lesson is boundaries because they have such natural vitality. People can really want to like get in on that and take advantage of it. So just really getting clear on like what they're available for or not, and really kind of seeing their energy as a really kind of sacred, vital, and precious resource. Manifesting generators specifically are often quite multi-passionate, might like having every day look different, moving their energy in between different passions and excitements, not sticking with things forever, but kind of always reinventing themselves, evolving, changing, like honoring where their energy wants to go. And they're often quite efficient. Like their gift is really finding the quickest way to make something happen and not necessarily in handling every single step along the way. 
And then pure generators really kind of bring this beautiful mastery, the steadfast commitment to kind of bringing ideas to life. Um, but similarly, I would just encourage both of these types to just take inventory often and ask yourself, what is letting me up and exciting me the most? Can I do more of those things? And what are the things that are the most draining and depleting? Can I let those things go? And the last piece that I'd share about both those types is that their strategy in human design is about letting things come to them. They're very naturally magnetic and they're not meant to chase after anything. They're meant to wait for things to show up in their world and light up their gut before they go after it. Mm. Is that clear? Yeah, it's super clear. And I, I think it's it's so eloquent the way that you described it. I'm curious and I'm going to throw a curveball at you if you're open to it. But as we go through each of these types, can we talk about how this relates to our own personal well-being? So in this community, we talk a lot about our relationship with food, our relationships with our bodies and ourselves from a mental health perspective and all of the things. And so what what would be helpful to know about these two types in relation to just general um, self-care and, and well-being, wellness throughout the day? Yeah. Well, I guess the two things I would say for both of those types is that what often allows them to sleep well at night is when they fully use up their energy throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And so if they like haven't used it up in satisfying ways, maybe it's just like they haven't done much, or maybe it's like, and, and it's not about like, not like you've got to do a lot, but maybe they just like, haven't gotten their energy out or they've used it up in a way that has felt really depleting. They like might feel pretty restless or depleted at night and find it harder to rest. And so part of what allows these types to like take really good care of themselves is like spending their energy each day in ways that bring them so much joy, pleasure, and satisfaction that it like allows them to rest at night. Um, and then I would say just another big self-care practice, and this is going to extend to every area of your life, whether it's a form of exercise or, um, or your work or relationships, just like really, again, doing the things that light you up. And that's probably not going to be a hundred percent, but like prioritizing work that excites you, like moving your body in ways that feel fun, you know, spending time with people that leave you uplifted and energized, like really kind of having that filter in every area of your life can really create such a kind of bright, beautiful energy within you. Like when a generator or manifesting generator is like lit up by what they're doing and really feel personally satisfied, like you just can't help but want to be around them. Like they just radiate joy that you're like, just can I just be around you and kind of be mm -hmm. infected by your excitement? So like when they're showing up in their way that their excitement kind of spills over and lifts everyone up. Mm, so helpful. Um, I know that you mentioned a few things already, but is there anything that as generators or manifesting generators that you should look out for? Like, how do you know when you're out of alignment with your type or just common themes that typically pop up that are helpful to just be aware of? Yeah. So we all have signals in our design that reveal whether we're off track or on track which is supernatural for us to go in between the two always, but for generators and manifesting generators to be off track is to feel frustrated. And so it's basically like a sense of resentment or dissatisfaction in your work or in your life. And so like, if you, if there's a place, whether it's a relationship or an opportunity where you're feeling consistently frustrated and depleted, I would really just kind of take a step back and really ask yourself, like, 
is this still the right thing for me? You know, like, do I still feel lit up by it? Am I trusting my gut? Like, are my boundaries honored? You know, am I energized by this thing? And to be on track is to feel a deep level of satisfaction in your relationships and your work to kind of drop in a bed at night and be like, God, I just feel like I spent up my energy in ways that just felt good. And so I would kind of really consider where in your life you're feeling the most satisfied and kind of let that be a reminder to keep investing your energy there. And then also kind of check back in and see where you're feeling the most frustrated consistently and kind of let that be an opportunity to really check in on whether or not that's still the right thing for you and whether something needs to shift. Um, and then the other piece that I would recommend is that, you know, there is a lot of nuance here underneath these types, but one thing that will be very important to both these types is their connection to their gut feeling which is a very visceral thing in their belly that will either pull them towards or push them away from something. So whenever a thing shows up in your world, I kind of start to drop into your gut and just check in and be like, do I feel expansive? Do I feel like I'm being pulled towards? Or do I feel kind of contraction? I'm like, I'm being kind of pulled away. So really kind of dropping into your belly as much as you can to kind of start to see what is the visceral response you're having when things are showing up in your life. So helpful. Thank you. Let's, let's move forward because I feel like there's a million other questions and I, I know that you don't have three hours to give to us. So <laughs> yes. what's so, the next type that you want to go into? I, I shared about projectors briefly. You know, I think what I would add again, these are the teachers, leaders, guides, advisors, you know, not here to do all the doing. You might find that as a projector, your energy naturally ebbs and flows. So I would say building rest and space um, and like ease into your days can be really healthy. Like as a projector, like I know that planning things back to back is not always great. And like, even for me, you know, I had like more podcasts scheduled today and I like canceled a few. I was just like, I'm just not up for it, you know? So it's also just like really, and I don't often do that, but it's really just like honoring where my energy is and, and where it's at and not like expecting myself to be a consistent doer. I realized as a projector entrepreneur, having support has been really key, not trying to do it all alone. Um, know that as a projector, you are so deeply sensitive to others, which can make projectors amazing coaches, therapists, guides, teachers, um, and kind of in positions where they're really kind of guiding and supporting others. And like I said, the strategy for us as projectors is to be invited in and recognized. And so I would really kind of consider where in your life you feel the most invited in and recognized. And one thing that I'll just share is that like, I used to feel when I first heard this in that Lower East Side mini reading, I felt like a little bit disempowered. I was like, how in the world would I build a business waiting to be invited? Like how, how do people even know? And one big lesson for me has been, how can I just put myself out there and make myself visible as a way to kind of magnetize the right invitations? And so like, I make it my job not to pitch people, but to just share like authentically and courageously, like what I'm excited about, whether it's on Instagram or newsletters. I mean, the way that you found me, it was through like Grace's community. So like, I just share, 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 share as a way to kind of attract the right invitations. In terms of wellness practices, I think that time alone is going to be really important for projectors. You're deeply sensitive and that might look like sleeping alone at times, like just time to kind of recharge and reset and release what's not yours. I would really build rest into your days. And I mean like deliberately unproductive rest. I know as a projector, it was very tempting to be like, yeah, like I'm going to just, you know, rest, but also like listen to podcasts and like learn this thing. And it's just like, what if I just do nothing? Mm. Um, I would, you know, allow yourself to kind of be supported when the time is right. Um, and yeah, just like really nourish yourself and kind of try on this idea that rest is not lazy. It's like the thing that makes you better at what you do. And so really kind of cultivating a really kind of sacred, powerful relationship to it. 
So my biggest question around everything that you're sharing is how, how does someone know when it's time to take action, even if it is just showing up and sharing versus resting and waiting for the invitation, like you're describing as well too, because it sounds like it's this really beautiful, but delicate dance between effort and ease. So how do you discern that? Yeah, I think it's honestly starting to tune into your body and what you have the energy for. Like I've had projector clients that are like, oh, I have like so much energy. I just got to just stop. I'm like, well, if the energy's there, go for it, you know, like, mm. like leverage it, take advantage of it. But like, if you start to notice yourself dwindling instead of like pushing yourself beyond your boundaries and probably having diminishing returns, like what if you just take a pause? So like, I think it's really kind of staying attuned and connected to it. And just like kind of knowing when to pull back. And I know that for me, building breaks into my days allows me just a like organic opportunity to kind of check in and be like, do I really have the energy to create something right now? Or is it time to just like chill, you know, and, and go for a walk or take a nap or whatever feels right. Um, I'd also say that waiting for an invitation is not a passive thing. Like I think that often while you're waiting for the right thing to come, it can really look like mastering your craft, really kind of diving deeply into that. When you start to recognize your own value, it makes it others for, it makes it easy for others to see it in you. Um, and then I also kind of consider ways to just make yourself visible. And it could be with your friends, with your community online. Um, and again, not doing that all the time in a way that is, you know, overwhelming, but I think just like creating space to just put yourself out there in a courageous way. Love. That's super clear. Okay. What's the next type? So the next type is a manifester. Manifestors are the initiators and the innovators, the ones that often have the energy to get things started, not to do all the doing themselves, but often to get a thing off the ground. They tend to really value feeling free, feeling autonomy, feeling a sense of control. So it's really good for manifestors to just like set the terms of how they do things and win and feel freedom in their work and in their lives. Their energy, similar to projectors, but also different, is going to operate in like creative bursts. So they might have like a couple hours, days. I had a client yesterday say minutes, weeks where they like can make a lot happen. And then periods where they've got to really kind of pull back, be alone. So not expecting kind of consistent doing from themselves. Um, I would say that manifestors, like they really like see the future and see things where things are going before others do. And so it's really important for them to just honor that and like trust themselves enough to kind of initiate and be the first and do things differently and kind of just be naturally disruptive. Mm -hmm. And their strategy is about initiating. So when they feel an urge to create something, just going for it. And, and the second part of their strategy is around informing. And it basically means before they just go for it, just keeping the people around them in the loop so they can kind of like go for it and feel, um, feel also supported by the people around them. I feel like they are on the same team in terms of wellness practices. Like one is, I think, um, again, their energy is going to ebb and flow. And so like for them taking real rest and time alone is so important because it's often the time where a new idea or inspiration will come through. So, um, I think really like honoring when their energy calls for it, not forcing consistency, like letting themselves be a bit more spontaneous and attuned to the moment, their moment, the moment. I also just think freedom. Like, I think that they really thrive when they like can freely be in their own flow and people are not disrupting it or trying to control it. And so kind of carving out times in the week where they can just so freely be in their own flow. and don't feel kind of controlled or confined by anyone else. Hmm. That's so interesting. And I'm, I'm also curious how 
to determine impulse versus intuition with this type because it sounds like it can be muddled sometimes. And I'm sure it is just that tuning into your body and, and becoming more aware of that and whatnot. But is there anything else that you would recommend to really just decipher how and when to take action um, versus just acting out of impulse because it's like the first thing that pops into your mind and it's not necessarily the best thing to move forward on? Yeah. So there's an aspect of our design called our inner authority, which is a layer underneath type. And it speaks to how we're designed to best make decisions. And so, for example, for manifestors, like there's actually a lot of possibilities. Like some people are meant to sleep on it. Others are meant to be super spontaneous. Others are meant to kind of really tune into their heart. So what I think is actually most useful in this case is really understanding what your inner authority is and how you're wired to make decisions, because that will help you know what is the right thing to initiate. Because some manifestors who are what we call emotional manifestors, like they might have an impulse, like a intuitive feeling, but instead of acting in the moment, they're meant to sleep on it and check back in the next day. Um, and there's also a lot of other aspects of our design that can kind of speak to like where we might get taken off track. Like for example, like a manifester or any type might have a part of their design where they just feel like a lot of urgency. Like I've got to make this happen right now and feel like a lot of pressure. And so like, you know, I would remind them that like these decisions aren't meant to be pressurized. So if you feel like I've got to make it happen right now and just like get, get free from this thing, like that's often not the right instinct to trust. Mm. So one, I think inner authority, but two, I would kind of dive into what we call our open centers to kind of dig into where you can get taken off track just so you're kind of aware when that's the thing that's guiding you rather than kind of your true intuitive knowing. Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just to be clear, each type has an inner authority to pay attention different to. Ones. Right. And how many are there? Do you know any, how many different so, types of inner authorities? Seven total. Generators are manifesting. Generators have two possibilities. Projectors have five possibilities manifestors have three possibilities and, and reflectors have one. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So obviously like you've already established, there is, this is really clear and there's a level of nuance and layers to, uh, it's not just like, Oh, this is your, this is your type. And this is exactly what to pay attention to. Like everybody who's hearing this just know if you're interested, there are layers and ways to explore this um, even more. We're just giving a high, or Aaron's just giving a high level overview. Um, but it, it is it is so interesting. Okay, and then we have one more, right? You. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's really- I so created the reflector. <laughs> yeah, it's- it's so, it's so nice that you're a reflector because reflectors are 1% of the population. And so like, when you look out globally, like that is millions of people, but like, it's really rare. And, and I think that a reflector perspective is such a valuable one. And so it's really always such a treat to talk to reflectors. And I think that um, I'd be so curious if your audience recognizes some of this stuff in you. So reflectors are kind of, kind of our collective mirrors, people that take in so much in their physical space that are always kind of taking in and magnifying the energy that they're around. And so honestly, the most important thing for you is to be a really ruthless curator of the people you're spending time with and the places you're spending time in, because you will magnify it, you know, in all the ways. And so, and, and the things can keep changing for you, like a community that once felt good might stop feeling good. So 
That's the first piece. The second piece for you as a reflector is that you're very naturally fluid. There might be periods in a month where you feel like you've got this, like the capacity of a manifesting generator. There might be periods where you feel like a projector or a manifester. And so your job isn't really to be consistent and show up in the same way every day, but honor whatever feels like you that day. And that could even manifest in like socially different communities pull at different parts of you, you know? And so it's not about being inauthentic because you are vast in the way that you express yourself, but rather knowing it's all you. It's just like, what part of me wants to get pulled out today? Um, we call reflectors evaluators because they just see and sense things that so many people miss. And so it's important for them to kind of be in positions, whether it's a podcast or working for a company or coaching or facilitating where they just feel so recognized and treasured for their perspective. I think whenever I have a reflector in my life, like I really, I'm always just so curious. Like, what do you think about this? And what do you see about this? Because I think they just have this like really objective way of seeing things, but there's a lot of openness, a lot of sensitivity in your design. So I'd say a big lesson for you is around just kind of really like discerning what's yours and what's not. And time alone is so essential as a way to kind of reconnect to what's yours. And the final piece that I would share is that you know, a core part of being a reflector is around patience. Like you are also not meant to be spontaneous. And the recommendation is to kind of take 28 to 30 days before you make a big decision, which I recognize is not always feasible. But I, what I, what I would remind you of is like, move at your own pace. Just like, don't make decisions under pressure and take all the time that you need. And like, say you say yes to a client. And then in 30 days, you're like, I don't know about that. You know, like giving yourself permission to kind of pivot when the time comes. And then finally, when it comes to wellness practices, I would say one time and space alone two honoring your energy that day, knowing that it's probably going to keep shifting. And then three, your surroundings, just being so intentional about who you surround yourself by and what you surround yourself by knowing that like your gift is magnifying that energy. So choosing energy that you want to amplify and not kind of toxicity that you don't want to take in. So interesting. And, um, I appreciate you sharing that for everybody who wants to become familiar with reflectors and um, might be one themselves. And also just for me as a reflector hearing that. And um, I've, you know, when I, when I found out that I was a reflector, I was so bummed. (laughs) I will just be honest. I felt really left out of um, just the world. Because, and it also was on top of like the beginning of the pandemic and everything, but I just remember really exploring it and thinking like, oh my God, I don't feel like I can relate to anybody. Like 1%, I'm in the 1%, like how could I possibly like relate? And what is this 20 to 30 day thing? Like, how am I supposed to like get anything Mm -hmm. done? And like totally had an identity crisis. Um, And then I, I started to just kind of like, take a step back, look at things a little bit more closely, get real about a lot of things in my life, which are so true. I mean, I have always been super sensitive to environment and, you know, just aesthetics, lighting, um, just really attuned to like noise and who I surround myself with and just um, I don't know. I, I can read a room really well. I can pick up on vibes really well. And uh, I've always kind of been that way and I haven't really known what to do with it. And so, um, yeah, that it, it felt, it felt really interesting just receiving that. I felt really seen after I kind of 
let it settle for a while. One question that I have mm-hmm. that I, I actually think I asked you in a workshop and I'm going to ask again, because if anybody else has this question coming up, um, it might be helpful to know, but I'm also a highly sensitive person. So is this, is this common for HSPs and reflectors to coincide or is like, is there any research around that? Do you know anything about the overlap of that? And also, is there anything to kind of just pay attention to in not confusing one or the other? Yeah, it's definitely common. You know, I think that like we all have areas in our design where we kind of take in energy, where we're the most sensitive to others. And what makes a reflector reflector is that you take in areas and all the areas where it's possible to take in energy, you know, in terms of taking in people's emotions and fears and stresses and like, but what also comes with that is like a tremendous wisdom once the boundaries are built and the awareness is cultivated of what's yours and what's not. So definitely. And there's actually such a resilient nature to your design as well. So it really is around just kind of like being really intentional about not taking on other people's stuff as your own and kind of really being more objective about it, which is obviously a journey. Um, so I, I have seen that in a lot of reflectors, but I've also seen it in a lot of other types, you know, I think that like, cause we all have areas that we are sensitive in different ways. And so like, um, so I haven't really kind of seen it be exclusive to, but it would make a lot of sense that a reflector would be aligned with that. Hmm. One other thing that's coming to mind as well too, is with the fluidity around reflectors that you're talking about, just, I think that's, that's something that was confusing and still is Mm. sometimes confusing, like, okay, how do I know, like, if I'm actually operating from a place of just true authenticity and intuition um, versus getting caught in the shoulds, because it is, it is so fluid into all the other types like you're talking about. And so what, what should reflectors pay attention to, to stay with an integrity of whatever kind of type is really showing up the most presently for them. Yeah. I think that like, it's around kind of letting it be playful. Like, I think that when a reflector is in alignment, we call the signal for alignment surprise. Mm. And it basically is this like just surrender. And so like, I would say kind of potential shadowy challenging area of being a reflector is like feeling this pressure, like figure out who you are. It's like, I've got to figure out like the one thing that I am and my purpose and what I'm here to do. And like, I'm going to find the perfect thing to do. And like so much of the wisdom is actually being like, the question to ask myself is not who am I? The question to ask myself is what feels like me today, you know? And like every morning, you know, and, and every afternoon. And just like, so I, I think that like, what I found is the more reflectors just like keep staying attuned to what feels like of them in that moment, the freer they feel, the more surprised they feel, the more authentic they feel. And so like, I would just recommend for reflectors in particular to kind of not box yourself in in any way and just be like a little bit more observant and playful about like what part of me wants to come out today. And it's not because like I'm flaky and it's not because I don't have an identity. It's because that there's a lot of parts of me that can be expressed. Mm. So let me just really dive into what part feels like the most alive for me today and like lean into it so fully and also give myself permission to like evolve and change and adapt when the time is right. 
Okay. I love this. It's so clear. And one of the things that is that I will just be honest about that has really come up for me a lot that I I think a lot of people in this community could relate to is just unpacking and healing a lot of people pleasing and perfectionism in my life. And um, just when that comes up in tandem with what you're describing, like just going with the flow and just being like who you are and not apologizing for it and, and being, um, you know, leaning into that surprise and the other part of my mind going, but people won't expect that. And people will be confused. And how are you supposed to build consistency in a relationship and all of like this shooting around living my life based on how other people expect me to live it versus just living it the way that I want to live it, you know, which has been and is a constant practice for me. Um, It's been so freeing just being able to name that. And also it's, it's still a challenge. It, it, it's definitely something that I work through. Um, Do you find that at all with any of your reflector clients who struggle with similar, similar things? Totally. You know, and I think that like, and, and beyond reflexors, you know, I think that that happens in a lot of ways. And again, our design can reveal so many specific areas. Like one of your biggest lessons is like not trying to prove yourself. Another one is around like really learning how to speak your truth and not sugarcoating things just because you feel so much. So like, there's a lot of even more specific ways that can really kind of dive into that. But Mm -hmm. I think like a big thing for reflectors is because they're so unique and because they've got such a different way of operating. It's such a reminder that like the way that they build their businesses or their podcasts or their families or whatever might look really different than the people around them, you know, and like letting that be okay. So kind of really embracing their uniqueness rather than kind of running away from it. I love that. Okay. I want to do something fun before we go that just popped up into my mind. Um, Let's curate all of the types in a fun way. So let's just go through each. And I would love to hear your opinion of like, um, an animal that comes to mind or a sound or a celebrity, just something that identifies with each of these types for you, or perhaps like the first career that you think of, but, um, mm-hmm. let's just have a little fun and like go through each one. So let's start with a generator first. Mm. I would say like a lion, Okay. you know, like it feels like to me, there's such a like grounded, not that I'm really that familiar with lions, but just like a very kind of like grounded powerful energy and just like so much vitality and so much life force as long as they prioritize their excitement. Okay. Anybody come to mind when you think of a generator, like any, any public figure or just Mm -hmm. somebody that people will resonate with? Oprah's a generator. Will Smith is a generator. Beyonce might be a generator or manifesting generator. Biden, the current president is a generator. Um, those are some that come to mind. What color would you choose? Just like a yellow orange. Okay. All right. Manifesting generator. I'm like really trying to think of an animal that like is a lion, but also like pounces between different things. Um, <laughs> God, whoa, maybe like a, maybe like a panther. Mm. Like, I think like that same kind of capacity, but also like a little bit like quick moving, you know, just like pivoting shifting like just like really like staying connected to whatever feels like them mm. I think the color feels like kind of like orangish reddish it is kind of like a really powerful one I think celebrities Jessica Alba is a manifesting generator Brene Brown's a manifesting generator 
Um, Britney Spears is a manifesting generator. Um, Harry Styles is a manifesting generator. Interesting. Okay. Projector. Projector is definitely a bird because like they just have this really kind of like overseeing perspective and they just see things in a really different kind of way. And so being able to kind of step back and see is such a natural thing for them. Um, color feels like a blue, but maybe that's just kind of like a sky situation. Mm. Um, people that are projectors, God, there's a lot of controversy over whether Michael Jackson is a projector or reflector. Interesting. I know Taylor Swift is a projector. Obama is a projector. Um, Marie Kondo is a projector. Um, a lot of presidents like JFK, Jimmy Carter, um, I think of like celebrities or people in pop culture oh god they're not really coming to mind but though that's a good start yeah that's you know? pretty clear yeah yeah okay. um manifester manifestors um okay wow this one feels like a little bit hard okay like a Honestly, the thing that's coming to mind, which my mind which like really doesn't even feel like a thing that I can explain, is like a fox. A fox. I love that. Yeah. And I'm also, we just got dogs and one of them really reminds me of a fox. So I'm just like mm. really getting that vibe. But it is like kind of this really, yeah, it's like this really kind of powerful energy, but also really can bring like so much speed when it's like ready to make things happen, but can also like burrow and retreat when it's time to like rest and recuperate. Mm um the color I don't know maybe like maybe like a green that's what I was like a dark green yeah um oh my god there's a manifesto I'm forgetting her name um Adele is a manifester um Maya Angelou is a manifester um oh my god there's somebody that I'm really forgetting and I she just passed away um but it is like, I think Maya Angelou is such a good example because yeah. it is this kind of like really provocative, powerful energy, you know, and Adele too, mm-hmm. you know, like manifestors are really here to have like an impact and you just feel that, you know, there are so often manifestors like in position of leader positions of leadership, Jennifer Aniston is a manifester. Mm. Um, I don't have to remember the other one. And then reflectors, like I would say an elephant, mm. um, mostly because it feels like there's such an inherent wisdom available and elephants just feel really wise. Um, and the color feels like kind of more purpley, you know, it's like kind of similar to blue, but it is just like really this like kind of higher, beautiful awareness when they really tap into it. You know, I wish that we knew more celebrities that were reflectors. They're rare. You know, I think that, like I said, there's a question around Michael Jackson. Um, but we definitely know that Sandra Bullock is a reflector Hmm. and do you know Ama? No. Ama's like a hugging saint. She's like mm-hmm. gone around the world and she's hugged millions of people. I've like oh. gotten a hug from her at like 2 a.m. in the morning. You wait for hours. Oh my God. But I think that like, it's a really beautiful example of like somebody just like mirroring you back to them, you know, oh, wow. it really is such yeah. a kind of intense, powerful experience. But, and Sandra Bullock is an interesting one because again, reflectors can try on so many different ways of being. So kind of like being an actor is a really beautiful expression of that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. This is so fun. Thanks for entertaining this little game. And now I have like a million ideas of what I want to do with this content too. We'll make fun oh. little, <laughs> fun little like, graphics yeah. cards and graphics for all of the types. I love it so much. Um, Aaron, you're 
fabulous. I can't thank you enough for just all of your wisdom, everything that you shared today, your truth and your vulnerability around your own story. Um, and I can't wait for everybody to just get to know you even more. So where can everybody get into your community? How can they work with you if they're interested? All of the things. Yeah. So I am Aaron Claire Jones in most places. My Instagram, I share a lot there is Aaron Claire Jones. Um, I would say if you're really curious to dive in, the first piece that place I would recommend is something called the Blueprint, which is a 55 plus page, basically like book to your unique design, kind of really exploring all the most important pieces in the most practical and empowering way. Um, and I'm happy to create a discount code for your audience if you'd like to do that. Cool. Um, is there a word that you like to use? And do you want to do that? Sure. You can do love, Caitlin. <laughs> so, love, Caitlin. Um, and then finally, I also offer sessions, individual partnership business, and that's all on AaronClaireJones.com. And the blueprint is on humandesignblueprint.com. Oh, love. And I love the word love. <laughs> yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, this was awesome. I so appreciate it. And we'll link everything in the show notes as well too. But thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. That's our show. Thank you for spending time with us today. Our show producer is Stephanie Olea. Shayla Anderson is our community manager. For more information around healing your own relationship with food and body image, click the show notes and you'll find direct links to our guests plus resources and more. If this conversation resonated with you, please leave a review and share it with a friend so that we can continue to heal and empower these important topics around our relationship with food and body. Sending you so much love, confidence, and strength. I'll see you next week for another episode.